Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this special edition of the End Time Tribune. Tonight we're going to be talking about the subject of first Haman, then the Assyrian. I'm going to direct everybody to the parallel apocalypse found in the book of Isaiah. I'm going to start reading chapter 28, verse 14. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord of scoffers who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have made a pact, the overwhelming scourge will not reach us when it passes by. For we have made falsehood our refuge. We have concealed ourselves with deception. Therefore thus says the Lord God. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly quarter stone for a foundation. Firmly he who believes in it will not be disturbed. I will make justice the measuring of line, and righteousness the level. Then hell will sweep away this refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the secret place. Your covenant of death will be canceled, and your pact with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, then you, Become its trampling place. Ladies and gentlemen. You who would be experts. On what is to come. Most particularly. Of you who profess to be. Experts in the book of Revelation timelines. All of you who listen to this broadcast. Please consider this and weigh it upon your mind. Please look to the parallel apocalypse, 12 chapters, and the book of Asaph with its prelude, 12 chapters. 
third time is always a charm. You also need to consider the Book of Korah with its hidden chapter. We're going to talk tonight about things exclusively covered in those books. Please consider these things very prayerfully. You know what they always say. If you want to get to the end of the matter, you must, of course, follow the money.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this special edition of the End Time Tribune. This, well, editorial edition, shall we say. The Brian and I have been under much consternation the past couple of weeks. Brian's been doing a lot of a lot of work covering a lot of absolutely mind-blowing intel. And to be perfectly honest with everybody, we have been arguing over a couple of sources that a few days here I keep saying there's no way we can use him as a source. Then Brian goes to verify his work, and he said, yeah, but Matthew, this was published before they released declassified documentation proving this source to have been true before those documents were ever released. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you and I both know that means only one thing. He is the most astronomical paid distraction and I would say, the history of conspiracy theory. So with that being said, we have a lot of real things to cover tonight that we're going to have to <clears throat> zoom the lens way out just to get the big picture. Yes, Brian will uh, be covering very critical Brian will be covering very specific details. But tonight, you need to take a deep breath and kind of set back and get the big picture. So with that in mind, Brian, jump on here. Uh, of course, give your introductions and uh, uh, describe to everybody the consternation that you and I have been going through over the, the past couple of weeks. I, I mean... I mean, Brian, I, I hate to say that, but we don't cover conspiratorial topics, but some of the topics that, that you, you've been covering over the past few weeks has been necessary, but you and I both told nobody would believe it. Nobody would believe it. And the distractions are just astronomical that the truth is there right in front of your face, but they've put up a paper mache distraction. I mean, just some of the things that, that you discussed, I don't know, was it last night or the night before, Brian, about one of the major leaders in World War II, come to find out he had been set up from the beginning. It was never him. Almost like a Haman in the closet. The whole time. Absolutely off the charts. Brian, jump on here and uh, your introduction, of course, and your thoughts on, on all this consternation that we've had over this past few weeks uh, before we get started on Haman preceding the Assyrian. Uh, I, let's see here. I think maybe I need to clarify, at least in part, a statement you just made concerning our infamous uh, conspiracy theorist. Now, 
there's many details in which this uh, said person covers, but at the same time, he he's also maybe not according to his own intent is caught in the midst of a lot of subterfuge as well. And as I said, I don't see that this person is necessarily doing this on purpose. What I do see and what is the most clear-cut and apparent thing in this is the fact that there has been a very disruptive, maybe confusing veil put over the top of some of these things. And as I have pointed out here, folks, yes, we could call some of these things conspiratorial, but here's where they get you. You see, nowadays they've got all kinds of fun terminology. They use theory. They use fake news. And they have all kinds of other terminology. And inadvertently, I would have to say maybe some of those things are correct. Because right there might be the key to understanding how it is in our current situation, how it is that these people are deceiving you. Because let's, let's go backwards here just a few months. We know full well that some very peculiar things happened during this election cycle. We had a lot of, how would we say this, factions with their own agendas. You know, I, I don't know a nice way to say this, so I don't think I'm going to mince words here because there is no nice way to say this. We saw a great deal of our own colleagues that went turncoat. And I think it quite literally comes down to the fact that you begin to understand that they had their own agendas at play as well, which aligned with these very same agendas that seem to be ultimately, no matter how you look at history, it's always about the same goals. It always is leading to deception. There's a big thing here where Heyman comes into place. You know, that we have to remember he the signet, the keys to the treasury. And this is where I see all this deception continually is leading, even in our current times, even what is in just absolutely overtaken the church over the years and has turned now what people refer to as churches in many of these cases, not all, not all churches are bad. We're not going down that road, but there's a vast majority of them that have allowed to have themselves corrupted through that key to the treasury. I've watched a lot of statements made that I sit back and I look at some of these things said, and it really turns my stomach because I begin to realize that they've got the same goals in their minds, in their hearts, and they're still chasing after that one simple thing that one root, you know, we have that infamous statement that the love of money is the root of all evil. And literally, time and time again, I watch how it is that all these different ministries throughout time here have been corrupted through that one very thing. And that money, it just, it, it seems to get in there, it seems to grab a hold of them, and it seems to lead them off into these destructive paths over and over and over again. And it just, it gets to the point where you just have to sit back and you look at it and 
when you realize that the same pattern somehow has existed all throughout history, you begin to look at these things. You know, in the intelligence communities, it's rather ironic because some of the folks that we're dealing here with, like, for instance, um, September 11th, and you had some good folks in there that were trying to piece things together. They were literally trying to do their jobs. You know, and they used this thing that they call pattern analysis. This was how a group of, uh, you know, some of the women that were working in the CIA, for instance, at the time of uh, bin Laden. They were able to piece these things together by what looked at first appearance as being unrelated patterns. You know, and there's, there's something about that that actually rings true because, you know, when we look at, for instance, what is going on with this current administration, with past administrations, at least within our lifetime, there's so many within the media, within the varied news sources, within current deceptive movements, within all spectrums here that, they can't understand the things that are happening in front of their eyes. They can't see where it's going because they don't understand where we've been. When you begin to recognize that there's a very specific set of patterns that always keeps leading into all these same directions over and over and over again, but when you take those same patterns and you apply that to this last 120-year generation, you begin to see something that becomes far clearer. And when you understand the ramifications of it, it also becomes very disturbing. And it's kind of as we started out here. You know, everybody's um looking at the stage, looking for the false prophet. And at the same time, maybe, folks, there was a lesson the Bible was teaching us all along, especially when you consider how the Greek encoded to you one thing and the Hebrew another concerning this person that had the keys to the treasury all along. You were given details. One you're told, well, he was an Agagite or an Amalekite. So many deep levels there. It's unbelievable. You're told through the Greek on top of it, though, you get another little detail. Well, at the time, he was also a Macedonian. At first glance, that can become very confusing. And it's something you have to ponder around in your mind, like many times I had throughout the years, until after looking at all these patterns in history, it hit me full force. We were always supposed to be looking for Haman first. I think that was something that Matthew had just made mention of, you know, we, in the current circumstances, like, for instance, we can just start, let's say, with World War II, but really to get the full grasp of it, you really have to look at the oil barons themselves, or the robber barons, is better said, because they don't only go after oil, well, they go after anything that's going to fill their own coffers. And that's where, when you look at what's happening from the ramifications of World War II, you go back and you look at the rise of Nazi Germany. 
he realized that there was a pattern that actually took a lot longer to get where they were. Because when you watch each little detail, you realize, for instance, coming out of World War I, the events that happened there, the different things that twisted Hitler's mind into the places, the dark places that he went. You realize that this pattern actually took a fair amount of time. He had to go about it in different ways. The first way they tried to, you know, instigate a coup. Because, I mean, his initial job, if you look at it before that, after things have been dismantled after the Versailles Treaty, and even that treaty is important on understanding something. We'll get to that. But you see, there was this pattern that he went through. At first, he tried to overthrow through a coup. That didn't work out well. He ended up in prison. Then he realized, well, I have to go about this through the set-in-place rules and work my way in through the political system. And they went about doing things in a way that slowly brought it about until ultimately you had the Night of the Long Knives. Matthew mentioned something very important. I believe it was last week. I believe it was called the Night of uh, the Broken Glass. Two events two separate events, both of them destructive, leading to an ultimate, what we saw happen. Yet this whole time we had somebody else in the background that was maneuvering, that was unseen, that had altogether plans that coincided, yet he saw a much bigger picture. And he knew that on top of it, in order to solidify what he was doing, he had to have the assistance of all the robber barons. And the unfortunate bit is, is the more you look at those robber barons, you're going to find out that they're the same people that are also same names, same lines. They're controlling the current administration. They've done so many things now behind the scenes and nobody recognizes who they are. Because they don't know their history. It's the same trap that I myself walked through for many years here. But when we can see this pattern, we recognize something so much deeper, more sinister at play, to the point where it absolutely makes you sick to your stomach. It's a comment that was made through the work of the man that worked for the Justice Department that was brought in to investigate, asking being asked by Carter himself, going, why are there Nazi war criminals all over the place throughout the United States? Why are they being used so deeply by the intelligence communities? Why are they all over? What is going on here? And the more he looked at it, the more disturbed he got, but he made a very pointed analysis of what he was seeing we can look at genocides and through one lens in history or we can realize something much deeper like he pointed out ultimately genocide boils down to following this money it's what these robber barons are doing this week we had something play out in the political scene and once again it did what it always does it's through a veil and a distraction in the place. And I watched many out there 
go on this little rabbit trail and didn't even look at the little details. We had, for instance, Donald Trump Jr. this week releases this whole infamous set of emails that points to Russian collusion. But as they always say, the details are what's important. Within the first line, they name a Russian ambassador to a position that does not even exist. That's actually British. They go on to point out a Russian pop star. Problem is, is he's Azer, Azerbaijani. That's one of the breakaway countries from the Soviet Union or ex-Soviet Union of Russia. There's so many other little details in there that were so key critical. And yet the press has completely kept everybody blindsided. I watched responses of varied people throughout the week and how their perceptions were seeing this. Well, they saw this as, well, it's a DNC scandal. It's this. It's that. No, folks. This was intentional and absolute, purposely done distraction so you couldn't see the major things that were happening behind the scenes. For instance, this week, we had Naomi Rao who was put forward as Trump's regulatory overhaul. See, what they did when they came in, they made this, put this in broad daylight that they were going to go through and they were going to start repealing all these redundant laws. And we were going to do this many a day over and over and over and over again. We're going to get rid of all the uh, outside of governed bureaucracies like Everybody's been talking about the Paris Peace Accords. Why did they break those? Why have they destroyed the um, environmental protection agencies? Why did they do all this stuff? Or do we go with that same thing again, the oil barons? Does this have something to do with these fossil fuels? Oh, most certainly it does. They did something else this week, too, though. Nobody's, once again, watching the ball, and they don't see what's happening. Because the same Robert Barron family that's been pulling the strings within the right wing for quite some time, they also have a different ball in play. And that's by taking over all the judicial systems throughout every state, the Supreme Court, all the way across the board. And what have they been doing? Exactly that. Here's where we go back over to, for instance, they call her the regulatory czar. Well, if you know what the word czar is, that comes from the uh, word that we used to refer to as Caesar. That's the Russian word for czar. They'll trick you, they'll use different terminology, but that's really ultimately what it comes down to. That's what it means. When you look who is behind this appointment the appointment of these judges this keeps coming back to one family let me read the first paragraph in this article from this Naomi Rao Washington when George Mason University changed the name of its law school last year to honor Antonia Scalia the late conservative Supreme Court justice the tribute ranked many liberal faculty members and students that the naming was tied to a multi-million dollar donation from the conservative Charles Koch Foundation 
on heightened concerns. Everybody, some of you this might be new to. You're going to find out that there's a group out there that's been pulling the strings of the right wing for quite some time, known as the Koch brothers. Here's the thing you need to understand about where their fortunes come from. You see, the father came up with the technology used to refine oil. Started his riches with the Stalins after the Bolshevik Revolution. Then, he brought that same technology into Germany. Had it approved by Hitler himself. Made money off of both these groups. That's where his riches came from. This woman that wrote this uh, book, Dark Money, discovered this. They were confronted. The Koch brothers didn't even bother to deny it. They just tried to confuse everybody because, once again, they could do this if people don't know the history of the rise of Nazi Germany. And that's precisely what they did, but they admitted that they had gotten the money from these places. The same driving factor, again, because those same driving factors, talked about the timeline last week, timeline of these robber barons, of these oil barons, when you realize the Bolshevik Revolution came about to destroy these oil fields in Russia, you realize that these same people on top of it literally were behind the rise of the Bolsheviks, of communism in Russia. They intentionally did this. This is common historical fact. They know what happened during World War I on top of it to take Russia out of the game during the fight in World War I. Well, the European nations, they snuck Lenin back in the back door, had him come in on a train. They meet. Boom. Next thing you know, years later, here comes the communists. On top of it, Germany, they did the same thing. One boogeyman, two boogeyman. Don't look at the robber barons. You were supposed to watch for Haman this entire time, and they got you to get your eyes into all different directions. So many things that play into this, folks. There's so many little important details and patterns. Balfour Declaration. One of the most major moments in history, there's no doubt about this. The unfortunate problem is, was the motivations of these buried Haman all throughout history to keep bringing us into this destructive, dark place. You see, during World War I, we had many of the Arabian nations were fighting with the Allied forces, with Britain, to defeat, for instance, the uh, Turkish Ottomans. There were promises made to the Arabian people that they were going to get their land back from the barons, from the, uh, for instance, Mr. Balfour. His family riches are made off of what? Robert Barron. Suez Canal was their control point. Coming from Britain, going down the Suez Canal, getting into all that stuff they wanted. 
be it oil, be what it may. That was one betrayal that led to all the nightmares that followed throughout the Arabian world. Even as the Balfour Declaration was declared, Lawrence of Arabia sat there. And you can see the film, and you can see the look on his face when he goes, what in the world have they done? They made that promise to the people, the Jewish people, that they would have that land back, that they would have Israel. They threw in the wording. They knew what they were doing. It's either a Jewish nation or the Jewish nation. They set their betrayal at the same time. Step by step by step, you just keep coming back to the same thing over and over again. And just in my brief discussion of these little tidbits that we're going to have to flesh out more, it's like I stated, folks, you become sick to your stomach after a while. I'm going to pause here and let Matthew come in maybe get me to get some more clarity to certain little points I brought up along the way here. Well, Brian, it's just amazing that you have this in the back of your mind to follow the money. I mean, this is, this is common knowledge in the back of everybody's mind at this point. Of course, this is why the Lord presented unto us Psalm 73. Through the book of Esther, you find out that there's always somebody behind the scenes pulling the strings. When we fast forward to modern times, all Christians should have been looking in this present day for those individuals, without a shadow of a doubt. You know, Brian, you can go back, ladies and gentlemen, to our previous broadcast, and you can hear all about Manafort long before the event horizon to that scandalous Ukrainian making its way into the mainstream news. And that's a fact that you need to consider. Now, with everything that just went on recently, I mean most notably yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, why were Ukrainian terrorists hitting the Red Sea government Egypt? What on earth do those two have anything remotely to do with one of, with the other? But stroll on over to uh, my Twitter feed and look it up. It's literally prophecy is literally screaming at you from the headlines. God is desperately trying to get your attention, and it just blows me away. That people are having a hard time putting two and two together as to what exactly is to come. 
Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. Let me rattle everybody's cage just a minute. Let me tell you some things that... I saw all these things from a different perspective, shall we say. Take note that... In 1878, something happened that would completely change the world, that would lead up to World War II. It's called the Congress of Berlin. It happened on the 13th of July, 1878. You probably should be made aware of what happened then concerning the Jews. Because it was then at the Treaty of Berlin... Uh, they accorded special legal status to Jews as full citizens. But nobody told you why. What is this treaty? Most people don't even know what this is. This is the treaty that ended the Russo-Turkish War of 1877 and 1878. Take note that at the same time, Lady de Rothschild married. It was her money that started a flow of Jews back to the promised land. Oh, but ladies and gentlemen, she didn't live too long. But it was her and those associated with her that started the paragons that started exterminating Jews at the same exact time. An anti-Esther, if there ever was one. Let me tell you why I looked at that date. I'm going to tell you how I found it, because you're all going to be probably scratching your heads when I say this. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> William Dow was famous for his drawings of Mars particularly liked to observe Jupiter's great red spot in 1857 and 1883 it faded until it was almost invisible then in 1878 it became a vivid red color. And it was then it was given its name. Now, since 1878, it has faded from the brilliant red into the present town color that you now see. Let me say that again. That was the same year. Let me rattle your cage a little bit more. Has everybody forgotten, or perhaps we've all discredited in our minds that plasma cosmology is ludicrous, right? It's ludicrous. Really? You need to study up on your celestial somology. Because the Great Comet of 1878 
which, by the way, was also known as Wormwood, slammed on March the 20th, 1878, into the shallow ocean north of the island of Ishkagi, 135 kilometers off the coast of Taiwan. Yes. That's where the century without a summer came from. Also, the great firestorm. That's where it all came from. So, ladies and gentlemen, with the events surrounding both the Congress of Berlin and the Treaty of Berlin that came from it, you can see full well what happens when an Esther marries a Haman. We better get up to speed on what's going on the ground right now. Because the Lord our God is expecting us to know that he chases after that which has been. He's expecting us to know that eschatology is in fact isochronal. It is that way and no other way so the bride may prepare her garments. That's why. Because when you know about the eternal return, do you realize that the whole reason why Nietzsche come up with the eternal reoccurrence was because the church had rejected it. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Nietzsche knew that it had to be true because whether he was a God-hater or not, just like the de Rothschilds, just like the Koch brothers, they know that what comes out of the Lord, their God's mouth, that's the way it is. And there is no other way. It's that way. There's no other way. So we need to come to grips with what happened, and we will be able to prepare ourselves for what is to come. Brian, I hope I clarified that enough for the listeners to help put a period on what you were saying. This is of epic importance. Even though Brian and I have been behind the scenes arguing, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about it. We're not conspiracy theorists. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Brian has proven himself true. Because Brian's not important, and I'm not important. And the only two reasons why these two heads are together is to prepare the Bride of Christ, which the both of us weigh in our mind to have value. Both of us will argue the point that we too are utterly worthless. By ourselves, we are nothing, nothing. But together, we represent the Bride of Christ. That matters, not Brian, 
Not me. So I hope I put a punch line and exclamation points on what Brian covered. And I hope I got your attention and rattled your cage. Help you to understand the ramifications. That through shadow and silhouette you will always be able to find out what is eight degrees below the horizon. Ah yes, twilight time. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, you're really talking about eight degrees. That's what twilight is. Last light and first light. It exists as long as the sun is a mere eight degrees below the horizon. But the bride, if she be faithful, she can see that far. Can you? Can you? Prepareth thine garments. Brian, back to you, buddy. Well, and this is... You know, sometimes I think we come back around to this... The atypical thing of the details. You know, we we discussed here starting with... Uh, going back to Haman, going back to Esther... You know, there's something very interesting when you begin to look at the comparisons between, oh my gosh, what do we call modern day ridiculous, not scholarship? Because I don't know what else to call some of this nonsense that has been perpetuated. One of the main factors of what has been done within the theological realms has been confusing everybody as to when that temple was rebuilt. And there's all kinds of little ways that they've gone about doing this. But for some reason, because once again, it's the details. It's the list. Like, for instance, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, details within the book of Daniel, details within Esther that begin to show you a very different pattern. And when you look at, for instance, the uh, westernized theological debates and writings and historical, well, gobbledygook, that's come down through the ages to get everybody confused as to when that temple was rebuilt, even though we should have known that we have to have that accurate, that is, just as David Flynn taught all of us, it's the center of time. But if they can alter that date and everybody's perception, well, then they do all kinds of other things in the meantime. That's what they've done. It's exactly what they've done. Some very important things come up, for instance, in the book of Daniel. But of course, oh boy, how do we breach this topic? Well, I don't think that Josephus really helped matters, but then again, at the same time, he was only relaying the Greek term. So was it his fault, or was it maybe our perception's fault? 
I think that's debatable because the other debate in this is, you know, we need to remember which side he was on at the time that the temple was destroyed. Do I think that all of his work was intentionally in left field? No. He's given us so many excruciatingly important details into unlocking a vast amount of history. At the same time, what I find bothersome is the fact of who later in life, after the revolts and so forth, who it was that he did make an alliance with, and it makes me question things. Just little tiny details that have really confused people, like, for instance, the Hyksos. That's one of the biggest arguments. It goes on and on in circles. But we've also got this one little point, too, that brings us back to who in the world was a Hazarus of the Book of Esther. But the Lord made something very clear to us the entire time. It just sometimes on our own, um, being knuckleheads, I guess, because I didn't see it at first. I spent vast amounts of time trying to lock in the proper place for a Hazarus. When you look at something here in Daniel 9, you get a very crucial detail. One that you want to overlook at first. But it was the other details we shouldn't have overlooked either. Because, you know, right here at the beginning of Daniel 9, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans. Daniel 1, we get another important detail that Daniel went on to the first year of Cyrus. Daniel 10, we get another excruciatingly important detail. Because if he only wanna, went on to the first year of Cyrus the Persian or Cyrus the Great, then why does it say here in Daniel 10 verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus king of Persia, a thing is revealed to Daniel whose name is called Belshazzar. Now wait a minute. This means that we're looking at a different Cyrus. And is there a different Cyrus in the line? of the kings of Anshan. Yes, the kings of Anshan. Not once did Cyrus the Great ever state he was anything else, nor did he ever swear allegiance to Ahura Mazda. No, that happened at the time of Darius the Great. And even through that line that when you trace both of them, you find out, wait a minute, they're a different line of kings. They're not even... Oh, they're two horns, just like it said the ram would be. All of a sudden, this changes your count. And this takes you over to exactly what any of the Jewish history is going to tell you concerning the temple, Nehemiah. They're going to tell you that Purim happened first. Once you understand that, then the details start to matter. Because Western scholarship, some of it I would have to say unintentionally, some of it very intentionally at the same time, think completely have confused us all this time when we should have been paying attention to what the Lord was showing us all along. It's not coincidence that you're being told here, Darius, the son of Ahasuerus. It's been there this whole time. 
So that meant we had to go backwards. Who in the world was this Darius? Well, I've already locked him in. As a matter of fact, I've locked in his father. I believe off the top of my head, it's Aramanis. You'll find something very strange. You only find out about it in Russia because it was carved on a stone there. Darius, the son of Aramanis. Wait a minute. Isn't that... That's a Hazarus. Didn't it just say... Details. These details... All of them lead us to the spot where we can miss what's right in front of our eyes. This goes back around. This is always one we brought this up and a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It's these details. We couldn't necessarily see it then, but we saw what happened with Darius the Great. He usurped that throne. You mix the different stories between the Persian records. You look at the Greek records. You can see they're both telling you the same thing. It's just sometimes you need two witnesses to understand it. And that is why, at first glance, Daniel 10 doesn't make sense. Because you come down here to the bottom of it. You come down here. Do you know why I have come unto you? And now I turn back to fight with the head of Persia. Or the prince. Yes, I'm going forth. And lo, the head of Javan has come. Now, I used a different translation for this uh, piece that I wrote up for forces from him. Will arise the Iranian coup. Because most of these will use the word for Javan. They will instead put the word Greece. And through the Septuagint, we have one. Through the Hebrew, we have the other. It's understanding Macedonian history that really makes it make sense, though. But this debate is being used, folks, and I'll come back to that. We have to remember that by the time of Alexander the Great, he was in charge of Greece. So it's not... We're being shown two things so we can understand... One truth. Let's apply that to what's happening right now in modern day Macedonia, which was part of Yugoslavia before it broke up. Point out a little detail here too, folks, because this Cold War 2.0, I think you better wrap your minds around You better do it quick. Because it started when the Western forces of NATO bombed the Chinese embassy in Belgrade. But what's going on here as far as modern day Macedonia? Well, folks, if you've been paying attention to the news, the Albanian party literally is taking over now. This is backed up by groups that were aligned with NATO. It's exactly what happened. What's been the thing that's been keeping them away from NATO membership and all this other entertaining stuff, being part of the European Union, whatever it may be, a naming dispute because the people of Greece want to say, hey, we're Macedonia, whereas in the Ionians or Javan is saying, no, we are Macedonia. It's all about the name, the details, and that detail 
is shining as we speak. That's been at the heart of what's happening in modern-day Macedonia. Is this coincidence? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But we're seeing something more powerful at play at the same time here. Subterfuge and deception. Intelligence. Why is that word used several times concerning the false prophet? It's a, it goes over and over and over again. Intelligence, intelligence, intelligence. Where did our modern-day intelligence groups start? Oh, yes. The infamous Rockefeller oil baron with corporate espionage first used here in the United States, then on the worldwide scale. And when you go in and look at the major players, especially here in the Western world that are intelligence, guess what? The dirty, underhanded ones, they're also aligned with the oil barons. We all know about the Bush family. Or do we? Because their family had their hands dirty all over the place in the rise of the Nazi Germany regime. It's the same pattern. And sometimes we miss what's so important. What we see here within Daniel 10 is this warning. Hey, uh, Daniel, do you understand why I've shown up here? You need to understand right now that Haman is on his way already. And that's what happened. Let's look at another situation where, oddly enough, with once again after this absolute betrayal that was pulled on both people, it was pulled on the Jews and it was pulled on the Arabian people. Because we had another Esther come into the equation, but it was in a different form, one that was very disturbing. Maybe I'll save that for the break, but everybody, you might want to ponder this name in the meantime during the break. Look up Ostara for those of you that are here right now. Ostara, look it up because there's another parallel here. With that said, I guess it's time for a break. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? and of the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. 
and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. 
But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his master made ruler over his household, to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour that he is not aware of, and will cut him in two, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites should be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear the trumpet sound, I'm on a rise right out of the ground. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, look way down the river. And what do you think I see? I see a band of angels. And they're coming after me. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave. Can hold my body down Well look down yonder Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel don't you blow your trumpet Till you hear from me There ain't no grave Can hold my body down Ain't no grave Can hold my body down Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the In Time Tribune, this special broadcast 
first Haman, then the Assyrian. I hope you've enjoyed the broadcast so far. It was a great honor for Brian and I uh, to present tonight. We greatly appreciate all of our listeners. Brian, let's get right back to it, buddy. Um, So much to cover and so little time that is afforded unto us, it seems like. Um, We could easily talk about this for four hours. However, we've only got 49 of them left. So jump right back in the saddle, bro. Well, I would even say four hours is an understatement considering how deep this really goes, but I think this is going to lead to a mega, mega series. And, well, it's literally study of these last, especially 120 years has reshaped my complete and absolute understanding of the end of days as a whole. And it it goes deep. You know, but I uh, I made mention of something, everybody here. Before we went to the break, I brought something up about Ostara. You see, you find out that, uh, you know, we go back to this figure of this monster, Adolf Hitler. And uh, his discovery in uh, nationalist Austrian publications... Germanic, essentially, is what it comes down to, their form of nationalism. Of He comes across this publication called Ostara Magazine. And, of course, it was this, uh, this neo-pagan, which, you know, let me explain neo-pagan. That's really, literally, uh, I would have to say a term for they ain't got a clue. So is New Age, as a matter of fact. Ain't got a clue. Maybe this little description here kind of paints it pretty interestingly. Somebody here on uh, Patheos.com wrote this one up, A Brief History of Ostara. I find this rather enlightening how they state this. Perhaps the most misunderstood holiday of the neo-pagan wheel of the year is Ostara. Many pagans would be surprised to learn the popular notions of its history and energy are based upon 19th century conjecture and the scantest of historical evidence. Uh, this is hilarious. Irregardless of the fact. Okay, folks, this is where they get this whole concept of Easter. And bring in, you know, all the nonsense that goes into it with that. You know, and it's, this is where we come around to the infamous translation. You know, we've got the good old King James. You know, folks, I like historical dramatizations. And one of those little shows out there that uh, CW Network put out was, at first, I thought it was some girly show. And I was about to look for the nearest bucket but then I decided to stick with it for a couple more. Because it's actually a very enlightening tale about Mary, Queen of the Scots, and her battle with Queen Elizabeth. Lo and behold, well, folks, you might want to look into this a little bit more because you find out that, well, King James was son of Mary, Queen of Scots. Basically took the throne because Elizabeth never brought forth an heir. 
I think that's pretty important in light of a lot of these other little details. You know, we've got all kinds of stuff listed here. Marriage, witch hunts, highlands and islands, theory of monarchy, blah, blah, blah. Gunpowder plot, Spanish match, all kinds of things. You know, and uh, another little detail is something I wasn't aware of. This is also on top of it, who ended up becoming a king there in England or Britain. Because at one point, once again, we had run the course, ran out. Then we have King George come into place, and he was Germanic, folks. So then, lo and behold, we've got the Germans and Gomer sitting right there in Britain again. And even this terminology they use, Anglo-Saxon, it's really sort of confusing at first. But once again, it's just, you know, it's this mix. But I mean, where ultimately, you know, I brought up this Ostara, but, you know, it doesn't take much to realize then, you know, you go over to another definition here, Eostre or Ostara. Eoster. Or did somebody decide they were going to go in and corrupt Esther? Because like I pointed out, neo-paganism, the new age, that's code for we ain't got a clue. Because they don't know what they're talking about. They put together a bunch of theoretical little odds and ends, trying to construct some new variant form of what they try to call white witchcraft. Folks, let me give you a little hint about the modernization and legalization here of witchcraft in the United States of America. You see, I know about the trail of blood that was spilled in order to bring that about. You might, some of you people in the back of your mind, you know, there's this whole concept of white magic and black magic and blah, blah, blah. Don't, for a moment, even think that that's reality, because it's not. Never was. There was a very dark path to getting multiple versions of neo-paganism brought back in across the world. I mean, do you, everybody understand one of the key things that was written up um, as far as the modern neo-pagans went? He took a lot of those ideas from, oh, he called himself the Beast, Aleister Crowley. You might want to look into Mr. Crowley. You might want to listen to some of the stuff that's said. Maybe he was getting communications from the false prophet himself. It's important. But this is where we get it. You see, we have this corruption come in. This corruption to, I don't know. Once again, we have this corruption come in. Throws off the timeline. Makes everybody look at Esther in a different way. Some of the nonsense I've seen people run around with over the years here concerning the book of Esther, just unbelievable. But that's how it happens, everyone. We've said this time and time again, they run around. And what for what purpose? I guess it goes back to that money again doesn't it that's the whole point you know folks it's how do we get into this current situation when we look at all these details like I brought up just these little very important details that we get through the Greek and the Hebrew that we get through the book of Daniel that we 
when we lock in and we realize what's happening here with the book of Esther. It's real timing as opposed to the Western interpretation as opposed to what the Jewish history says. The Jewish history was always telling us the truth. And that's even where we've gotten more nonsense again. I've heard many of these, uh, well, most of them have turned back to the law now, and they're like, they're teaching just absolute ridiculous chaos and garbage. And they use that same thing to come up with all kinds of other anti-Semitic conclusions. And you just, you realize they start one place and they always end up in the same place. They tell you that they're one thing, but they end up on the same path. We've got these people calling themselves Christian Zionists, but when you look into them, you find out they're anti-Semitic. It's just nationalism. These warnings about these riders, nationalism, populism. Look at what's happened in the nation of the United States of America. Every other nation in the world is looking on at us in horror. I've talked to a plethora of people overseas. A bunch of Australians, people in Britain, all kinds of different places. And they just live. Really, what in the world just happened in the nation that you live in? And that's where we keep sitting. Those writers, why were they telling us those things first? We go into that next writer, well, all of a sudden, we know we have inflation. But this is where I've heard things, too, that have bothered me over time here. We've got this whole idea. Everybody's going out and they're, uh, you know, first they started with, well, we need to invest in the dinar. Oh, for Pete's sakes. I was asked about that. I'm like, are you nuts? Now we have the same thing going on here where, you know, invest in silver, invest in gold, invest this, that, and the other thing, you know, because you're going to need that to have food when this time comes. But what actually happened at the time of Joseph when there were seven years of plenty and seven years of famine? Did Joseph hoard money or did he bring in food? He brought in food and that food was used to feed a multitude of nations. And this is where they trap people. They did the same thing here in this nation on top of it. You see, everybody doesn't seem to realize that the root of this occult doctrine that came in, health, wealth, and prosperity. They started with the one spot where they knew they knew what to do. They went after money. And they convinced everybody. All this ridiculous antichrist doctrine. Money. We go back and we look at this current administration. You're going to find out that same root doctrine is there. Money that leads into occultism. That leads, oh, we covered all that. We keep coming back to Haman. Keys to the treasury. Keep coming back to these same roots of betrayal. We look at these things. We have, we knew in this election cycle, for instance, and it just came into light. I really understood why there was an absolute coup going on within the intelligence communities as we progressed through this last election. Everybody looked at the Comey firing in one way. Just in the last week, there was a document that came out from one of the senators, and she pointed out something so key critical for people to understand. The person 
that they appointed for to be brought up as the next FBI head. See, everybody, during the time of the War on Terror, there was some very underhanded torture techniques going on that they found out were absolutely useless. Waterboarding and look, look into the intelligence uh, gathering and the torture that was going on. They know about Guantanamo Bay, but go over and look at the one in Iraq. See if you can get a load of those pictures. There's an FBI agent that saw what was going on and he was disgusted by it. Because he realized that just by talking to these people, if they had intelligence, they found it out through standard means, actually. When somebody's tortured, though, they will do anything and say anything. After due course to stop that torture. And this FBI agent realized that you can't keep doing this. That's at the root of what we've seen in the intelligence communities. Because this new FBI person that's been appointed by the Trump administration. He was for the torture, which was inhumane. We claim, see, the United States, they've got this mindset right now that they're going around, they're chasing these monsters. And the mentalities that came out through the Islamist movement, it is. It's brought about extremism. At the same time, does that excuse the extremism that's come out of this nation as well? Because chasing monsters and through the nationalism, especially those roots, there's a time when you go too far and you become that which you fear most. You become that monster. And that's really the root of what we're seeing uh, going on when we consider everything is being perpetuated via nationalism, via populism, we go to the inflation, and then we see the utmost reality. War, famine, pestilence. How many of these things are we seeing on the world scene as we speak? We keep looking for a world war. Maybe is it already happening? Because what is this bringing about? Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Syria, Iraq, famine. War, pestilence. And it keeps going back to the same stupid thing over and over and over again. These people love their money. That money gives them power. That power they turn around and they use to get more money. And they pull this stuff off because they twist the little important details and nobody notices what's going on. have to understand your history. Let's go back to some of the things that it says concerning the scourge with the covenant with death. We covered what happened with Attila the Hun. They called him the scourge of God. They understood and they knew something that maybe we should have paid more attention to. Some very important things that happened with the history of Attila the Hun. For instance, there's this great, big, huge Roman battle. But there was these little details that actually became very important. Because for one, you find out at least a generation or a couple, you know, a son or grandson later, through Attila the Hun, they had completely taken down the Roman Empire. One of the big things that was going on during that battle with the Romans, the great big one that everybody talks about, though, was the little detail of what they were actually doing. 
and it was solidifying the Germanic French people upon the throne there in Western Europe. Barry Cooncliffe had a very astute observation when he stated that the Crusades would have been nothing more than a side note if it was not for the fact they went over there from Western Europe, made their way all the way up to Constantinople. They literally attacked the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire, and busted down the walls. Completely annihilated the walls, sacking the city. Now, we know what happened later in history when the Turks came along, when the Ottomans came up along. They were able to do what? They took down Constantinople. How did they take down those walls? It was first through the later things set in motion by what was referred to in that earlier part in history where they called him the scourge of God. There was a lot more there. And that scourge upon the earth led to this disgusting form of capitalism, imperialism, going out and taking other people's land, ruling over them, creating, treating them as lesser beings, their animals, all this. You know, we should probably look back at our history, even the discovery of America. You know, there's things that happened there. Everybody wants to paint it into this somehow great, wonderful picture. They come up with new ideas and say, oh, well, this is what happened. And then they go with liberty and justice for all. But Lincoln even caught on to this, and he had a bullet put in his head as well. Yeah, two presidents you might want to pay attention. I'm going to let Matthew explain the part about the other president, but let me explain this first. Lincoln realized it was something disgusting happening. Liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice for who? Was there liberty and justice for the native people that were here that they came in and slaughtered? Or how about all the different people they put into different forms of slavery? They even look in California. Matter of fact, they were going out and capturing people and selling them off onto trade ships for slavery as well. So where was their liberty and justice for all? Or was this always at the root of something far deeper and far more sinister? Because when you look at what the roots on top of it ended up being, you had capitalism, imperialism. You had the same patterns happening over and over and over again. And then lo and behold, by the time you come to the end of the Nazi Germany regime, you find out that a bunch of them start showing up in Argentina. You find out on top of it that one of these cities was so happened to be Named, well, they tricked you first off, Victoria. Then you find out this Argentinian city means a city upon seven hills. You see, when you break down Victoria, you take it from that Latin, but you put it back over to the Greek, you find out that that's the same goddess, Nike, they would refer to her, Nico, or maybe Nicolaitan, people of destruction. But then you find out on top of it, this land was named, where we find it in the Bible, we discussed this before, Mergos Vespucci. You find out that that mapping comes in 
through South America. Within one of his journeys, he went right to Argentina. We should have known there was a pattern to look for there. But that same pattern, it just keeps going to these same places. I think I'm going to take a break there, and uh, maybe you want to expand on this Argentina president realizing a disturbing pattern and trying to stop it ending up in the same place. Lord have mercy. Do we really want to open this can of worms? Ladies and gentlemen, this ain't the first time this has happened when a president came to the realization that, hey, we got a, we we have a serious problem here. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, the documents have been declassified, especially between correspondence with Hoover when he was over the FBI. And it will absolutely blow your mind that looking at the dates and them getting eyewitness accounts that in Argentina, they not only had an underground bunker, but they went to great lengths to say that the elevator down into the compound was controlled by photoelectric cells. Ladies and gentlemen, they didn't have photoelectric cells then, but that's plainly what they said. They find this great big cache of... Nazi artifacts. And you go to the declassified documentations and actually look at the declassified documents of what's being described and what's going on, it will absolutely blow you away. It amazes me that in this instant, the Nuremberg noose was found to be empty. was empty. The gallows were found empty because Nuremberg's judgment on the one who was really there sentenced him to death though they never found him. Later they publicly discovered his grave. There was only one major problem. It was buried in red dirt. That soil can only come from one place. So once again, the American people was presented with a corpse long after this monster had died. The Depths that have been into by just the American government. is absolutely mind-blowing. We absolutely not only harbored these monsters, we built up entire educational disciplines of what they had found through 
experimental extermination of human life. And it amazes me how nobody does anything. Nothing. I mean, Brian sent me the link to the government website of all the declassified documentations on just MK Ultra, and it just blew me away. Nobody did nothing. If they were doing that then, what in God's name do you think they're doing now? Well, it's, it's obvious, ladies and gentlemen. They do whatever they want, and there's going to come a time when they're going to have to be stopped. Now, yes, the Lord our God puts it into the hearts of the ten kings to burn her because there's obviously nothing else that can be done with her. Which brings my attention to something else. Ladies and gentlemen, what if all of you had been thinking for all this time that when all these conspiracy theories run around and talk about bloodlines... Riddle me this. What if the real puppet master that was behind World War One, World War Two, <laughs> the War on Terror, what if it's a woman? And what if that is the bloodline that we're holding to? Bloodline of a matriarch. What if behind the scenes. Everybody runs around and talks about, you know, of course, the standard ones, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Koch brothers, and all their family lines. But yet I asked my son, I said, why do you think that very powerful Jews that are in power, oh yes, oh yes, right now, right now, when you look behind the scenes, they're actually attempting to kill other Jews, and my son quickly responded, there's only one reason why you would do that, Daddy, because they would think that they have the pure bloodline of the Jews. That's why they were actively trying to exterminate them, the common Jews, so to speak. Everybody loves to talk about the Queen of England. And her spats she has with the Queen of Spain. Riddle me this, ladies and gentlemen. What if the true power behind all this that you was told this 2,000 years ago? It's actually a matriarch behind the scenes. And quite a harlot she is indeed. Brian? Back to you. Well, there's a detail in there that you just sort of unleashed. But I think I want to cover the one detail to get there. Oh my gosh. Folks, as far as the Nazi German regime, we had the Haman in the mix that was actually Martin Bormann. Now it's as he stated during the Nuremberg trials, they sentenced him to death. They didn't have a body though. They didn't have him captured. 
and they play games with all the way around the board. Intentional. Intentional games. But how is it that he got control over Hitler so early on? Oh, boy. There's multiple ways. But the big one where they got him really good was his own niece. Because, well, Hitler was having an illicit affair with his own niece. Yeah, really kind of disturbing. That right there put the noose around his neck where Bormann was able to manipulate and start controlling. Then little rumors started floating around about the reality of who his bloodlines actually were coming through. And I think that there's still a wall of confusion concerning that. Gestapo uh, investigation started turning up some very peculiar things. And I don't know that there's any way to know what's true in this mess. But what is known, and how his niece got him in trouble on top of it, is that he had a Jewish godfather. And there was a possibility of an illicit affair in his mother's, or not in his mother's, in his father's line to his grandmother the problem is is the household in which he's a part of and I really it bothers me it bothers me even more so because in the Balfour Declaration you're going to find out that the same name comes up and I don't know if we're ever going to know the reality of this because the fact is is that we had the Haman manipulating those strings and is it possible that uh, the investigations that were done by the Gestapo was just to plant more blackmail? I don't know if we're ever going to know. I just don't. The peculiar rumors, though, were highly disturbing. But it's these rumors. It was through this weakness. The Borman seized power. And he's the one that made all these deals with all these barons. You know, you can go through and you can see all these lists of all these barons, all these people that put money into the Nazi regime. When you realize the other thing, though, too, because they created two monsters. They did it on purpose. Like I brought out, you had, I believe it's 1905 off the top of my head is the first time they sent the Bolsheviks, started that revolution, lit the oil fields on fire. Then on top of it, they started propping up another monster. The end of the war, they kept using that same pattern, though, because you see the Nazi regime with their white supremacy. That's really ultimately what it breaks down to when you look at it. You see, they said, well, not only were we doing this, but we were fighting the evil Bolsheviks. And here's where they did something really tricky. We've been led to believe that there was no nuclear weapons, that the Nazis never had nuclear weapons. Yet all the historians and all the evidence that they have found since that time documented through, you can find actually, I found three documentaries on this. They know now beyond any shadow of a doubt that they indeed had nuclear weapons, but they had something far more dangerous. We've talked about the rodent coil in the past. Yes, that anti-gravitational can be used for that. It can be used for a nonstop energy source. But what happens when you wrap that around a nuclear explosion? Oh, they had nuclear weapons, all right, but they were far worse. 
But they knew on top of it for the long game to keep that regime, to keep this ultimate white supremacist goal of theirs in line. They had to keep both sides fighting against each other. You had to make one look evil so we could have the same fight. Then you snuck other people in the back door. You see, they gave the, um, I believe it was the enriched uranium, which we didn't have enough, but all of a sudden magically U-boats show up over here, and then they have enough enriched uranium to make the nuclear bomb that they had. Really, there was no purpose to drop it on Japan. They just did it anyways, twice. It was to show the world, hey, look what we got. Now we run the show. But lo and behold, what happened? You see, once again, I said it was about the long game because they knew also that in order to keep their regime going, they had to focus everybody on the communists. The evil Bolsheviks, the evil communists, they had to focus everybody. So what did they do? More people slipped in the back door there too. Next thing you know, Russia had the bomb. Then all of a sudden, all these Nazi war criminals are being employed by all the Western-backed forces to fight communism, which, you see, you had an American here, and you had a brother over in Western Europe. One created one regime. The other made the other one come about. Two brothers working in tandem, and that's very important to pay attention to because you're going to find names over... In Western Europe, especially when you start looking into the, uh, the Nazi regime and what they did. But then you're going to come over to America. And lo and behold, you're going to find those same names again. Did I mention those Koch brothers before? The K-O-C-H. That's how you spell it, folks. Look it up. Because I already noticed that there was one in the midst that was working with Martin Borman. Same name. I went, that can't be coincidence. It's not the first time. I traced an entire family tree that had on one side of the sea had Nazi war criminals in their midst on the other side of the sea. Well, they looked seemingly innocent. Was that the key with Henry Kissinger? Because over there with Martin Borman, well, what happens when you spell something K-I-E-S-I-N-G-E-R? Wait a minute. Kissinger? Kissinger? Why was Kissinger, and this is even in his own biographies, he was over there at the time of one of the Dulles brothers, who was a turncoat unlike any other turncoat, but then he had a twin in that, too. You see, you had the Philby family. They always forget to look at Daddy. They remember Kim Philby for his turncoat working with the communists and the Western, but they never look at Daddy. Daddy did something far worse. So they had those nuclear weapons. They initiated the Cold War. But the same forces, these robber barons, they made both regimes. They made Nazi Germany, and they caused the communist movement to come about because they wanted access. Oh, yes, the keys to the treasury. The Germans knew to keep this ruse up. If they wanted to keep going towards their long game, their long goal, and just like Martin Borman had figured out from its inception, then you had to play both sides. You had to pit them against each other. And then next thing you know, you're convincing America suddenly they've got Nazi war criminals all over the United States. Look at the Nixon administration and what happened there. 
to offset the Democratic Jewish vote, they began to bring in Nazi war criminals that were involved in Ukraine, the Belarusians, all kinds of them. They put a simple name on them to find them. You can call them werewolves. You can call them something else, too. All of a sudden, you find out, lo and behold, they put settlements of them all over throughout the United States, into Canada, into South America. Lo and behold, good grief. The 1970s, on top of it, they slid somebody into place in the CIA, that infamous Bush family. Put him in there so he could make sure nobody found out how they were trying to offset the Democratic Jewish vote in this nation. We are dealing with treachery upon treachery upon treachery upon treachery. Betrayals. Unimaginable level. But lo and behold, we come to find out that indeed, Nazi Germany did have nuclear weapons. The whole time. And then lo and behold, they got into Americans' hands. Lo and behold, to create the Cold War, they got into the hands of Russia as well. And look at all the chaos that ensued in the meantime. They make this statement that America lost Vietnam, and that's why this great deal of national pride went down the tubes. Here in America, we have the monument in Washington, D.C. I've been there. When I was in the military, the last hospital I was in was in Washington, D.C. I'll never forget the day my dad looked at that monument and his heart broke. It was heartbreaking breaking what they did here with the Americans. And yet at the same time, 3.5 million Vietnamese were killed in the middle of that conflict because we had this corrupt pile of garbage that came in after they assassinated Kennedy, he went scorched earth. Kissinger sat there with him the whole time. Brzezinski's in this mix. Then on top of it, they go in, they betray Israel. All to control the gas prices to create. It's the same nightmare over and over and over again. And it's just like Matthew brought up. It's just like, you know, for instance, uh, you watch Jeremy Cahill's film on Dirty Wars. He makes some statements in there. He points out, how do you stop this? How do you stop what they are doing? We have literally are out just killing people all over the world right now. No war has been declared on them. They just said, well, this person might be dangerous. Let's go kill them. Even though they don't have any evidence to back They just think they may become dangerous. So we show up. We blow up weddings, drop drones. We blow up Iraq. Iraq is a graveyard now, folks. Look at the films. Doing the same thing to Syria, but never mind the fact that they had that planned the entire time before they went into Iraq. They were stating it publicly. They were stating publicly they were going to overturn North Korea. Never mind the fact that we had a Pakistani nuclear scientist that they knew full well the entire time what he was doing, they allowed him to bring nuclear technology into North Korea. It begins to kick you off after a while like it does me. I watched some comments that were made yesterday once again on the social network. You know, we see this whole situation going down with Iran. 
we know full well with the Quds force that they plan on targeting Jerusalem. Okay, this is beyond any shadow of a doubt. We see the same setup happening, though. I mean, like it or not, when the Islamic Revolutionary Guard came to power, that was nothing more than one more of their orchestrated coups to get control, again, of those oil pipelines. <laughs> it's enough to blow your mind. Because they used the Mujahideen at the 2300-year marker from the time that Alexander the Great passed away in 1979, that magical year where everything seems to coincide over and over and over again. They used the Mujahideen to fight the Russians after they goaded them over that line, bringing them into that battle they could not win. What is the name of this group? that has been labeled as a terror organization, that they are about to have a regime change and throw Iran into their hands. They're living in Iraq, yet you look at their name, you go, all they did was change one little tiny letter. It's still Mujahideen. And, you know, I noticed the comment was brought up that, well, it's controlled by a bunch of extremists. To a degree, that may be. But let us not forget that there are human beings on the ground there. And you might, folks, when you throw out they're all extremists, you might want to take a look at what's going on with the people on the ground inside of Iran as we speak. Because you might stop and realize, hey, wait a minute, there's a lot of good people there too. There's a lot of them. And a lot of them are kind of showing you, hey, we got choices now and this, that, and the other thing. But somebody's pulling the leader's chains. But that's what they did the whole time. All to get control of that one infamous thing again. Those ports, the strategic ports, that oil. The same old story keeps repeating itself. And with this, this is what the regime change is really about. I pointed out Netanyahu's treacherous dealing. He was set up by the neocons here in the United States. Matter of fact, you can go out and find a BBC documentary on this. And here it was planned, it was already pre-planned that on top of it, he was going to cancel out the peace accords. He was set in place for that very thing. You can see what happened on the streets at the time that Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated. But you know how it is on top of it that he rallied everybody to this neoconservative cause of this nationalism that flared up again? He twisted the book of Esther, he made Iran and Persia into the enemy, but the enemy was not, was always Haman, and he got away with it. Nobody stopped to question it. It's just ridiculous. I'm going to give Matthew this last bit here to go ahead. Ridiculous is one thing that I don't know quite cuts it. I really don't know if it does. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you look at the things that Brian and I are discussing here. You come to the realization that Oh my goodness, we have been lied to on epic proportions and our 
hands have the blood of many different people. Drenching them. It is amazing to me the FBI documents that I went through. It was, you know, Brian talks about what was really going on when you look at the documentation, you look at the scientific evidence, and then uh, you watch a documentary that's been banned in the United States. Three different experts tell you that it's confirmed from the photographic evidence and from the surger, uh, of the surgeons, the doctors, on location in Dallas that the shooter was actually in the manhole and a guy gets in the manhole cover. A few minutes later, he pops out in the drainage ditch. By the way, there was also a hole in the windshield and everybody's seen it. You begin to realize that it was three French assassins that was paid to actually kill him from three different lines of fire. He also wanted... uh, Troops home from Vietnam by Christmas, and the first thing that this true scumbag that took his place did was scorched earth policy, completely reversed it, murdered as absolutely as many Vietnamese as he possibly could. Yeah, and, and as a matter of fact, it just didn't matter. You know, when you watch documentaries where the people that was the servant said, yeah, Hoover was here that night, the night before the assassination. We had a great big get-together. It's chilling to hear the Patsy's wife say with her own mouth that this deception when it becomes known will destroy this country. That's what she said. And of course a very heavily English laced with Russian. Absolutely amazing. Well, and let me point out, on top of it, you know, when uh, Kennedy came in, who did he fire? It was Dulles. But on top of it, who did the investigation? The infamous report that came out on Kennedy's assassination was done by the man that was fired, Dulles. Dulles is the same man on top of it that started putting Nazis all over the place. You know, that's that that key detail you brought up, the French assassins. 
And then he had the eyewitness testimony on top of it with the DEA agent that went in. And he, they go and talk to this guy. Okay, you have confirmation with somebody that worked in the government. Lo and behold, you all of a sudden, you find out they reported to Argentina after they were done. They reported to Borman, folks. This is disgusting. I'm going to stop there and let you come back in. Well, I know this, ladies and gentlemen, but this is all coming into light again. It was just in the news 10 hours ago. And I can't believe that people really can't put two and two together. It's in the news now that everybody's mad because the leaders in Japan are going to dump the nuclear waste from the Fukushima Daiichi reactor into the ocean. Well, what they're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is heavy water. And everybody always goes into consternation. Did the Nazis have nukes? Did the Nazis have nukes when it wasn't too awful long ago that we found the Nazi submarine that had barrels and barrels and barrels of heavy water? So it just blows my mind that here we go again ladies and gentlemen they everybody looks into what the Nazi bell was ladies and gentlemen why do you think Borman came to Mundus Novus the new world look into that Victoria Island off of Argentina Ladies and gentlemen, I wonder, you know, me and Brian had this, and I might as well say it now. You could hold the whole world hostage if you just went into Paris and do a very simple thing. Go there and rent a house. In the basement, bust up the concrete. Start digging. Bury a weapon that can only be covered by the fluttering of the Holy Spirit. Then, just go to all of the tackle shops that you can find. Anything that sells fishing poles and, of course, lead sinkers. Lead melts with just a simple blowtorch. Take you a 4 by 8 sheet of plywood, coat it in lead, cover that device up, bury it, go buy you bags of concrete and bring them home in the trunk of your car. Just a bag a day will do. might take you a couple of weeks to buy enough bags. Nobody will notice what you're doing. Cover that weapon with that lead-plated sheet of plywood. 
re-pour that concrete floor and then go back to Germany and you will have the entire old world held hostage. Matter of fact, you could do this in Rome. You could do this wherever you wanted to. Don't you realize that? Well, Brian, your final comments, and of course, don't forget. Well, I was just going to point out one thing you said there. You know, the first thing that alerted my attention to the fact that Nazi Germany did indeed have nuclear weapons was through a program we watch here from time to time because we used to watch his old program. Uh, I believe it was called Destination Truth, but he's now on a show called Expedition Unknown. And he went looking for Hitler's lost treasures, and he ended up in this spot in, I believe it's Austria, this man had found an underground tunnel system. They went down there with Geiger counters. And at first, they're getting little readings. All of a sudden, they got to one spot where they said, run. Because all of a sudden, they realized they were sitting in the midst of lethal radiation. But this is where we wrap it kind of back around to this whole thing. Where we go back in with this covenant with death. Folks, you got to remember for one, the first discovery of regular petrol fuel, fossil fuel oil, started in the United States. Rockefeller then went on to start this trail. He also found out how to do something else. You know, that's, I, I kind of was hoping people would point out, figure out the left not knowing what the right hand is doing. When you give alms, when you give tithes, don't let the left know what the right is doing they've used this against you folks here in the United States that's how this coke empire for instance got away with it through philanthropy anonymous donations through 501c3 501c4 let me ask a question to you American folks out there right now or maybe any of you in the western world how many of you are going out there and giving your tithes Keeping track of that, writing it down on your tax returns so that it comes back. Is that not knowing what the left or the right is doing? Are you paying attention to where you're giving those tithes? Do you know if they're actually, like, for instance, doing what it is we're called to do? Taking care of those in need? Or are they doing something far more sinister with it while you go home and you write it off on those tax returns and get it right back while these philanthropists continue to build their covenant with death? You see, because the big ones here in the United States that are perpetuating and perpetrating this, their money comes from that oil. And they figured out a trick by deceiving people your left knows what your right is doing if you're writing it off on that tax return you might want to consider that once again we go back to it all this wickedness these Haman maneuvers that have been going on it starts in our modern times it starts with what started with these uh, robber barons but it got really 
ridiculous with the oil barons. And folks, you have to understand something that have the, the military industrial complex. You see, yes, that's the problem. But the big problem is, is in order to have that, you see, that's where the barons come into place because in order to fight these wars, you need that fossil fuel, that oil. And it keeps going back to the same route. All of a sudden it makes this last 120 odd years starts coming into sharp focus. Eisenhower maybe was giving a smart warning, but then again, he was knee deep in the middle of it too. So don't let that deceive you for a moment. In order to fuel this war machine, they need oil. In order to get the House of Saud to play nice when Trump came along, well, the other administration had to bankrupt them. And now this current administration, it doesn't matter what name you put on it. They're all working towards the same goal, ultimately. Now they've armed all of Israel's enemies to the teeth. And when they get done doing what they're going to do to Iran, where do you think their attention is going to turn next? That's my piece. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Give this back over to Matthew for his final thoughts. And I guess we'll catch you tomorrow. I've said this many times, ladies and gentlemen. You can't do that to the Lord your God, Secretary, to give you your form so you can turn right around and claim your tithe off on, on taxes and take it back. You cannot rob God. Oh my God, you, you, you must come to this realization. I didn't say you couldn't pay your tithe to the church, but you cannot turn around, get the form from the secretary, and claim that off on your taxes. Do you think God is an idiot? Oh my God, you have sown the wind and you shall reap the whirlwind. Oh, how can I make you understand? Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless, Godspeed. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.